0: Hello and welcome to Champagne with Craig. We are unapologetic about loving our community and those that live here. Our goal is to focus on those that make our community amazing. We are not political, we are not judgmental. Our goal is to learn and use this platform to make us even better. Our beliefs are there is more good than bad, more positive than negative, and our glass is always half full. We support and encourage. We believe in responsibility and a simple belief in doing the right thing. We believe there's a lot more gray in the world and less black and white. We practice humility and our definition of humility is being honest and sincerely willing to learn a few simple things from other people, having no desire to strangle them in the process. I hope you enjoy and let's listen. Okay, here we go. It's our first podcast of 2022. I can't believe it's 2022. We've been away for a while. COVID has put us on hold, but we are back today, and we're back with a friend of mine, Mr. Martin O'Donnell. Martin played football here um, several years ago. I'm not going to disclose maybe how long ago, Martin. It's a while. But you can do that. You can do that. Um, And the reason we're talking to Martin today is Martin has been successful in a variety of different avenues, not just his football career, his business career, and now he's, well, one of the voices of the Final Illini football program, which I listen to regularly, and we just like to introduce interesting people that I find interesting in our community with our Champagne for Craig, and, and Martin O'Donnell's here with me today, and yes, we're having a libation. It's 3.30 on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> and we expect this to be a lot of fun. So Absolutely. Martin, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us a little bit of something about yourself before Illinois football, before people really kind of got to know you. Where are you from? You know, what kind of background you come out with? Where were you raised?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I grew up in Downers Grove, so western suburb of Chicago, Um, you know, but, you know, now I've lived in Champaign longer than I've lived anywhere. So, um, you know, older brother, younger sister, uh, both my parents, you know, worked in downtown Chicago. So um, just grew up in Downers Grove, had a, you know, what they doing down, what
0: are they do in downtown Chicago
1: uh so they're actually kind of both in i t so my dad was a programmer and my mom uh, was like an i t project manager wow um so they both worked in downtown Chicago mom worked for transunion you know one of the credit uh, bureaus for a very long time and then uh, she's retired now and then my dad was a programmer worked for um, you know some insurance companies you know other things like that so um, that was it and you know went to high school at downers Grove south and then in August of 2003, came down here to Champaign.
0: Before you came down here, I'm certain there's more than one school that recruited you mm-hmm. um, during the process. What what schools were they, and and who was closest to taking you away from us? Then,
1: yeah. If,
0: if, if there was one school that we wouldn't know Martin right now, what school would that have been?
1: Yeah, I mean, for until I came on my well, to take a step back. So my top five were Illinois, Iowa, um, <laughs> Oregon, Nebraska and um uh, what was it? and then oregon nebraska stanford okay. stanford so i so i really thought i was going to go to stanford until i came on my official visit and that would have been december 2002.
0: It's been uh, hard to turn down stanford
1: yeah yeah i mean there's stanford had a lot to offer yeah. um but at the end of the day i mean it would have been the kind of thing where uh you know my parents my family probably could have come and see me maybe maybe one or two games a year, something like that. Um, just too far away from home, and I, I always saw myself living back in the Midwest, so to me it didn't, you know, I didn't really see myself settling on the coast, so Illinois just wound up being, you know, great fit, and family got to come down and watch, you know, a whole lot of games um, over the course of my five years.
0: And which kind of led me to my next question, you already answered it, but why why Illinois? What? Other than the geographic location, was that the major influence of why they got you here, or?
1: No, it, I mean it was the people. I mean it, it was really the people, and, and that's you know that's one of the reasons that you know i I stayed in Champaign County and raising my family here now. You know I mean it's just you know I I came on my visit um, to Illinois. You know the, the guys on the team interacted with each other like I interacted with my buddies back home. You know, everybody i met was just you know good people from you know trent the equipment manager to you know the coaches and and everything's been
0: around a while
1: long time so everybody you know kind of up and down the program and so i just i felt comfortable and um you know wanted to commit on the visit my parents uh talked me into waiting a little bit but then i think i had a, an in-home an in-home visit with uh coach ron turner i think that following week and Uh, committed to to Illinois at that point.
0: Coach Turner was your, he was the guy the whole time you were here then?
1: Uh, No, so I had Turner for two years and then Zook for three.
0: Zook for three? Yeah, so
1: my first year, uh, after my first year of starting, uh, we were successful enough to have the entire staff uh, lose their jobs, so unfortunately.
0: You were probably in my old house. I bought Ron Turner's house when he left town. Oh yeah? So I'm sure he had the group of you guys out there, so yeah, you were in my house before I was in my house, so
1: how's that? It was, I remember it being a very nice house. Greg. Yeah, I remember it being a very nice <laughs> it's house. A, it was a very
0: big house to accommodate very big peoples, what <laughs> it was, that's for sure. Um, what did you study when you were here? Uh,
1: so I, I wanted to be a history teacher. That was what I thought I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm a history teacher um, yeah yeah so I, I wanted to do that and you know when I got to I, I thought I could do that and graduate in four years and then when I got to Illinois they said well you can get out of here with a history degree in and a, and a teaching certificate but I wouldn't be able to do the student teaching until the spring of my fifth year right. and that didn't really work for me I wanted to get, I wanted to graduate in four years and then start working on a master's degree so um, I majored in history and then picked up a second uh, major um, I think midway through my junior year, I, figured, I learned kind of through working with the academic counselors, I could you know, add another major instead of you know, doing some random stuff. So speech communication was my second major.
0: Which um, fit nicely. Kind of wound in up working yeah. out
1: okay, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, then, uh, and then I got a master's degree in human resource education. Uh, and I finished that up you know, the summer after I got done playing.
0: So very well-rounded. Yeah. i like to think so. Um, tell us a little bit about your football career I I did the research on you I remember you playing and all that mm-hmm. but as the years go by and the Coors lights flow I forget <laughs> more and more um, tell us a little bit about that um, from your freshman year to really changing the program over to to success I mean you yeah you lived through it
1: yeah yeah I mean so I you know so I, I came from a high school program that you know down south you know when I was going through high school we we won our conference every year we were kind of the powerhouse and um, you know kind of in one of the powerhouses in the western suburbs you know one state my junior year were you know ranked in usa today in the nation as a senior stuff like that sweet so you know so that was a program i came from and so I came to illinois um and when i came to illinois the the year prior you know they were you know that was when they were one win away from going to a bowl game you know the controversial game against ohio state you know ohio state wins in overtime um, and that really kind of kept Illinois from going to the bowl game after winning the Big Ten in 01. So um, my first year in Illinois in 2003, I think we went 1 and 11. And yeah. so I lo- and I, so I give the background on high school because I lost more games in my first three months on campus than I did over four years of
0: high school. Four years school. of high school.
1: And so that was really, you know, eye opening to me and humbling in a lot of ways. And so I redshirted my first year, um, and then you know went into my redshirt freshman year. Um, I was kind of a, I was kind of the sixth offensive lineman. So I was playing at tackle most of the, you know, I came in as a tackle, but they were kind of bouncing me around, tackle in camp, you know, right tackle, left tackle, and then I was kind of the next guy off the bench for one of the guard positions. You know, seven plays into the first game of the year, Brian Koch, you know, guy who's 50 or senior, you know, starting, you know, full time for the first time, you know, seven plays into the season, into the season against Florida A&M, he gets his knee blown out. And so. I was kind of starting from from that point on so um,
0: that happens a lot doesn't
1: it yeah I mean well you just got to always be ready yeah you know and so I you know I, I was fortunate you know even though I redshirted my first year I traveled to just about every game you know I was getting reps with the second team I and mean, so I was I was preparing every week like I was going to play so um so I felt ready um but it's still you know it's very different going from practice to playing you, you uh, felt on, ready on were you ready uh No. Okay. No. Great, Great no, answer. Sure wasn't. Uh. Sure, yeah, I mean, so I, I made I mean, I mean made so many mistakes, um, especially my first year. There'd be things, you know, we come over, you know, there's plays that I remember against, you know, UCLA, I think it was my first full-time start, and it was a hot day on a Saturday, and, you know, they were coming on a safety blitz, and I knew what they were doing, you know, because I, I prepared, and, you know, I'm I was, I'm a film guy, right? So I, I still, even when I'm broadcasting, I like to watch film because that's how I feel prepared. So I knew what they were doing. They're bringing a safety blitz. You know, the tackle was going in and was going out and there's two there's safety and a linebacker coming right at me and i just froze i took neither of them and so they (laughs) they pressured and they might have gotten a sack or something And we came over to the sidelines i think it was third down we came over to the sidelines and harry he stand who's a great offensive line coach so harry was my coach but he's
0: a little bit animated too
1: he's animated but he but he was great so he's always animated but on game day he's always cool as a cucumber right and so that was really instructive for me but we came over to the sidelines he's like he's like okay well what'd they do here and so we talked about what happened he's like you know, well, you know, J.D. I think Jason Davis. J.D. Who'd you get? Oh, I got him. You know, you know, Martin. Who'd you get? I'm like, I didn't get anybody, coach. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah, they're there. I was like, I just took neither of them. He's like, all right, well, let's let's move on. And um, you know, so there's there's stuff sure. like that, growing pains, learning stuff. Um, but it was you know, it was instructive just kind of being thrown into the fire and and you learn a lot.
0: Okay, so Ron Turner, 111, mm-hmm. Zook to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, played with some some pretty good players. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a, uh, a at the end of here I'm going to do a quick question about players, coaches, sure. best and all that but Jay was on your team I, I, yeah. I read that you guys are about the same age right?
1: Yeah yeah. Jay, yeah. Jay and I are same class. Yep. So you
0: went through the rigmarole all of it together?
1: Everything yep. Yeah. yep.
0: And I read that and I didn't know this I assumed that you did go play in the league for a while you were Mm-mm. you were all Big Ten all American and yeah. I just I didn't I didn't know that yeah, I learned something, and doing my film study <laughs> on you, um, kind of go through that decision. I mean, that's that that's an early age to retire. When yeah, you've had the success you've
1: had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting thing. I, I never really. You know i i didn't plan out too far ahead and i I'm, i still fall victim to that today but you know i was always kind of like you know and, and one of the things i regret about my college experience was i was always i had tunnel vision i'm like all right i got to get through the next lift the next practice you know the next game you know and just kind of go you know very methodically one thing to the next and so i didn't really know what i was going to do and you know i, I mean i, I I wound up being named, you know, an All-American my senior year. I mean, I, I probably wasn't one of the best offensive linemen in the country. I mean, those are like team awards, right? Because we had a great offensive line. Mm-hmm. I was, I was the four-year starter, right? So that, that makes sense. Um, but it was the kind of thing where, you know, I wasn't married to the idea of going and playing in the NFL. I'd always kind of thought, hey, if it works out, I'll you know, I'll, I'll figure it out when the time comes. Um, and then my last year, you know, so last year. Uh, you know, we go to the Rose end up going to the Rose Bowl, um, have a really great season. You know, won more games in 2007 than we did the previous four years four combined. Years, right. um, and it was just kind of, it was a combination of things. You know, one, I was tired. I mean, football's a grind. I mean, people don't realize that about all collegiate athletes. Like, it's not just a competition. It's it's every other day that you're preparing, right? So it's 350-plus days where you're, you know, conditioning and lifting and all this stuff. And then my last season, I mean, it was kind of every every week was like a new injury kind of popped up you know one week i'd, I'd mess up one shoulder and i put a brace on it well then i overcompensate the next game and i mess up my other shoulder a little bit and it's bothering me so then i take the brace off and i'm like well i'll deal with it and you know um you know and then you know screw up and you know i've sprained my ankle you know several high ankle sprains and so i'd you know mess up one ankle and then you know the next foot would bother me and so it's just kind of one one week after another things were happening you know yeah, you get like a you know a neck issue and then you get a back issue and you know by the end of it I was like All right, I think my body's telling me something you know and I I was probably one of the least athletic offensive linemen we had so you know I would I wouldn't have been drafted I mean I would have had a chance I think to get into somebody's camp in the fall and, mm-hmm. and I knew what that life was like I played with guys who'd done that and I was just kinda ready for the next thing. The next chapter. Yeah, just ready for the next chapter. And I was engaged at the time, you know, to my wife Emily and you know, we were, you know, that kinda thinking through, hey, what what do I want our life to be like, you know, starting out and um so it was it wound up being a confluence of events and, you know, just kinda figured, Hey, I'm you know, had a good run, you know, things ended pretty well except for the Rose Bowl game, but had a good experience to end it and um felt like it was just kinda time to figure out what was next.
0: The toll on the body's great. I mean yeah. I um you know, Fred Wakefield moved out of Champagne Champaign mm-hmm. because of the weather to a drier climate. I mean, he played in the league, I don't know how many years he played in the league, but several.
1: Yeah, he played and probably 600 years. Has,
0: he, before 10.30 in the morning, he really couldn't do anything until his body kind of loosened up. Yeah. So I don't think people really do realize that the toll it takes on one's body. Yeah. Um, no matter what position you play.
1: Right. I mean, Absolutely. And like I said, it's, it's not just the competition. It's just that you're, you're 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 lifting, you're moving a lot of weight around, you're conditioning, you're doing all that stuff. You know, it's it's year round for everybody.
0: So, you make the decision not mm-hmm. to go on and try to play pro football. What'd you do right after school then? I mean, you apparently you stayed in Champaign because you're sitting yeah. here talking with
1: me. Yeah, stayed in Champagne, and so you know, so I knew when I I knew I figured. I, so I knew two things I was like all right well I, I want to finish up my master's degree so I was still on scholarship so I actually had you know sort of would have been the spring of 2008 I got to experience life as like an actual college, college kid. kid oh my goodness like I, I I still don't understand how people fail out of college like I'm like I, I all this time right I didn't have to do lifts I didn't have to I mean so I got all this time and um, that's how
0: people fail out of college yeah you know, I know I time. get I get <laughs> I, 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 I can
1: see that I guess um, <laughs> But so I, I said, all right, let me let me finish up my master's degree. But I, I knew I needed to get some kind of practical, like real world experience. And so, so I actually went and did an internship with Northwestern Mutual with okay. Justin Kirby, um, oh, great. Brian McClure, those guys. So uh, Kirby, Justin Kirby, um, was neighbors with my offensive line coach, Eric Wolford. And so they kind of I, I knew I needed to I, I needed to do just, all I'd done was football for like the last ten years. So like I got to get some knowledge base, try to understand some stuff. And so did an internship there. Um, was gonna go full-time realized it wasn't the right fit um, and then you know this is 2008 so uh-huh. recession starting great time to be on the job market right um, but I went and applied million places all over town and got you know I think I got two interviews I got one for uh, an academic advisor for the athletic department here and then one for a fundraiser for the library um, and so ultimately got the job of fundraising for the library at U of I I'll be darned. in 2008 yeah
0: um. In transitioning from football to work life mm-hmm. um, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Tracy Abrams and he was speaking to um, Isaiah Williams and Alex I'm gonna say Pacho because I can't pronounce his last yeah, name. Pachowski, yeah Pacheski, yeah but he calls himself so he, he get let you off the hook to say Pacho yeah. and Tracy was trying to make this big impression on him you know the transition from when you're an athlete and everything is laid out for you mm-hmm. to when all of a sudden you wake up and you have to create your
1: day. Right.
0: Is something a lot of people aren't prepared for? Did you did you feel that same way, or did the year of the Masters?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I think so. I was able to transition a little bit. I, I think you know, kind of having that extra semester or so helped me. Um, but I think that yeah, I mean, you it is a big shift, and I think part of it too is you, especially if you're an athlete at you know. At a, At a college, especially a place like Illinois, like, you know, that's your identity. You're like, that's Martin. He plays football at Illinois. Right. Right. You know, that's Tracy. He plays basketball at Illinois. I mean, you're, so that, that becomes your identity. So when you don't do that anymore, that's challenging. Right. So you got to figure out, okay, who am I now? What, how do, how does that, you know, what does this current iteration of me look like? Who am I going to be? You know, because at that time I'm 23 right so i'm like okay well i got to get a job and i'm going to and you know i'm getting married this summer and then you know, obviously want to have a family and all these things but you know also you're looking over the precipice and if you're a scholarship athlete so you get scholarship checks well i knew those i knew those checks had an expiration date yeah. so my last check was coming in like june so i'm like okay when those checks are done I, I need to find a way to get money <laughs> so um, yeah it's it's a challenge because you're right you're, you're very structured in terms of when you're an athlete because you, you have people telling you where to go and holding you accountable uh, and then you got to transition to really holding yourself accountable or having people in your life kind of hold you accountable
0: yeah that's one of the things that playing a Mike Smalls event for all these years he brings these players back and every year they you know what's the biggest challenge you go they'll say the golfers aren't that much different than level college to professional golfers it's how well you manage your day mm-hmm. you know coach small managed our days for us right. and and set our schedules now you're in charge of your own nutrition your own workouts right. your own discipline I mean, right. the, the people make it or don't make it because they're able to manage that right and i found that i found that to be interesting that a lot of people that transition from a sport or even trans even transitioning from careers yeah i mean how what was your identity before right. you go into the next one? Um, was there anybody during that time that had a big influence on you? You say that it helped you transition, or did you just kind of figure it out yourself?
1: No, I mean, you know, I, I think you know, obviously, you know, my you know then fiance my my wife Emily certainly helped. Which, by the way, he way out
0: kicked his coverage. On
1: that. <laughs> true story.
0: Yeah, true story. True story. I mean, if, there's, <laughs> if we're going to get one point across this whole thing, he out kicked his coverage.
1: Um, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so I think that. But you know, some of it is you just got to kind of figure stuff out by yourself. And um, and so that I think that that's a lot of it. And again, I think having the structure of you know still being in school helped. But then, you know, and then it was just kind of focusing on, you know, what was the next thing? Okay, I, I got to get a job, right? So I'm focusing on that. And then, you you know, then you get a job, and you're like, okay, well, now I want to be successful in this. And so you, there's enough structure there. And, and I had, you know, people, you know, my first boss, Vicki Trimble, was really helpful. Right. You know, Vicki kind of helped me to figure out how do you be successful in this job. And so you just kind of then translate, okay, here's here's how I can maneuver the skills that I have and put them kind of into this context.
0: The skills that you had from your discipline as a football player, right. how do they translate Right. drive? how. That's that's a part of your DNA. Yeah, I mean you don't lose that right after you just you graduate Yeah, it's been able to channel it the direct direction.
1: That's exactly right.
0: What what do you think your biggest learn? From your days as an athlete to even do what you do today and that that process. Yeah um, I mean that's a little bit deeper of a question But I think that's important for people to hear that how do you how do you channel from one to the next and, and use those experiences?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's I mean, it's a gradual process, right? So that that's the kind of thing you don't go, you know, you don't go from being, you know, really good at one thing and then you you, you go in, and in my case, you know, I, I go into the world of, you know, fundraising for, you know, one of the largest libraries in the world, right? Well, S- second, I believe it or something like that. It's up there. I don't that remember. I, I used to it? I used to have all the taglines, yeah. Craig. Um, <laughs> I used to have all the bullet points memorized. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it's I think understanding that it's a process is, is a big part of it. You know, and I think that's something that when you're an athlete or when you work at anything or you have a you know hobby or your golf game or whatever, you you understand that you know, it's a process but it's also part of I think the thing that you know, preparation is something that I've always really believed in and adhered to. Again, I wasn't a very athletic football player. I was pretty darn prepared. I mean, I, I, I felt good about knowing what the opposing defenses were going to do. I knew what we were going to do. You know, I was comfortable that when you prepare, then you don't really have to think. You can just react, right? And so that's something that I, you know, carry, have carried forward in everything I do. But it's also the, um, you know, what you, what you get out is what you put in. I mean, it's really, there's so many parallels there where, you know, that and, and the, the cumulative effect of doing a little bit more every day is a big deal. You know, I mean, because I went through a little bit of a lull kind of in my athletic career playing football where, you know, I thought I was doing the I was, you know, working hard enough. Otherwise, I really wasn't in hindsight. But then, yeah. you know, you get somebody that kind of kicks you in the ass. And, and in my case, that was, you know, Eric Wolford, you know, the offensive line coach. And you realize, OK, well, I could be doing more and I do need to be, you know, I need you know, I think I'm a leader. one, well I really need to, you know, leadership. It takes it's a risk, right? Like you got to put yourself out there in order to lead people. Absolutely. And you got and you got to be good. Right. You can't you can't be telling all of these people to do all these other things when you're screwing up at what you're tasked to do. So right. you got to you got to do that and lead from the front. So that was all stuff that, you know, I'd been through a little bit of a transformation kind of in my last two years on the football field that gave me confidence that, hey, I, I can I can make some of these things work and I can you know take some of these skills. Um, and some of this knowledge that I've accumulated. And it's just, you know, it's different It's different inputs. It's different, you know, learning different information. But I can still be really prepared for meetings. I can still, you know, hold a conversation. I can still, you know, have, you know, five questions in my back pocket for when it stalls. I can still, when they say this, I'm gonna say this. Um, and those are all things that, you know, I do today. You know, as I, I think through conversations and, you know, with my colleagues at Busey and talk through things and, hey, here's how we think this person's gonna react. And if they do this, we'll say this. If they do this, we'll say this. If it goes this way, hey, let me cover it. Um, and I think that preparation's a a really big part of it.
0: So you you take the John Wooden mantra. Do you know what his famous quote was? Share with me. Failing to prepare is preparing for failure. Very true. I mean it's very true. Absolutely. I mean, I understand in, in running a business, you know sometimes you there's nobody to kick you in the ass, and you need a coach, Wilford, sometimes. Yeah. And, and when you're running your own business, you don't have anybody to do that. Right. And then you wake up one morning and realize you're not doing those little things right. that you used to do. Right. And you're wondering why your business is slipping or you're wondering why mm-hmm. your career is slipping or something like that. And, you know, the the harshest quake in the world is that mirror in the morning when you wake up and brush your teeth. Yeah. And learning learning to deal with that over and over and over again as you move through. You said, okay, now you're working with Bucy. What are you doing now? I mean, I know, but let a, let, let Yeah, sure. Know.
1: So um, so my title is, uh, so I'm a regional president of BC. Basically what it means is, you know, I'm I'm in charge of five markets across Central Illinois and the Southwest suburbs, so Champaign, Bloomington, Decatur, Peoria, Joliet. And so my role there is basically all of our team, pretty much all of our teams in those markets that are externally facing. So that's you know commercial banking, wealth management, treasury management, retail, um, all the all those teams kind of roll up to me and are my responsibility for what we call our central region. It's mostly our legacy markets that Busey's been in for you know a very long time. So. Um, So that I have kind of oversight there, and then I still kind of have a a book of commercial business that I still work on You know on a daily business But a lot of my job is just trying to help help our teams be successful and figure out ways that I can Assist and make a difference for them
0: Knowing where you're at now Mm -hmm. and knowing what you did at Illinois is there anything you would have changed or taken advantage of during those times that you wish you would have that, you yeah. did, that was available to you that you maybe didn't know was available to you, and mm-hmm. how to capitalize on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think like I said earlier, you know, I, I was very I was very myopic and I had tunnel vision when I was at U of I. Like I, I would have done a better job of of just networking, getting to know the other the other people that were in my classes, you know, engaging with them, you know, because I I basically wound up, you know, I have some relation, you know, the relationships that I have from college, most of them are guys that I played football with. Um, and so I had a missed opportunity there, but also taking advantage of other stuff when you're, you know, a student on campus. You know, stuff like Cranford or going to some you know, other shows or things like that. I mean, I, I, was, I was probably, like I said, I, I, was, I had tunnel vision to a fault where it was just like, all right, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get through this next thing, get through this next thing, get through this next thing, and not, not enough of kind of taking a step back and trying to figure out, hey, am I, am I fully taking advantage of the college experience?
0: You're 18 to 21, so it's, it's, it's not something that's going to become natural yeah so, like I said when we were talking the other day there's so many people that can help you yeah that want to help you absolutely and I think you know I'm gonna blame the university for this um, I don't know if any other is any different or not but I just think there's so many opportunities and I know they got to be careful because of donors of what can happen but you know getting a mentorship program of yeah uh, I think would be enormously helpful to these athletes because mm-hmm. Like the commercial says, I don't know what it is, you know, 99% of these people are turning pro on something else. Right, And right. that transition, when you talk to athletes, it's hard for them. Like you said, it's their, their identity's been taken away. Absolutely. I remember T.J. Wheeler going through it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, T.J. and I from, were from the same high school. His dad was my basketball coach and mine was okay. a football coach and athletic director at the same high school. And I remember after he got done playing, he struggled for a couple of years just trying to find his way and, mm-hmm. and who he was and... and and what do you want to do? I mean, it's, I've seen it happen. I,
1: so I wish I.
0: there was a better way that we could could bridge that gap. I, kn- I know yeah. it's complicated.
1: Yeah, it's complicated. And, you know, and, and I know the university tries. You know, I, I've, you know, and, and I try to, that's one thing is is I try when those opportunities come up. I don't know that I've ever said no to U of I for doing something other than if my schedule just didn't work out. I mean, if I'm asked to do something, I, I'm I'm there with, I'm happy to help, right? Just because yeah. exactly what you said, because it's really challenging. I you mean, know, I saw a lot of my buddies go through it, you know. And, and fail. And, and fail, right. And, you know, and, but, and, and some of them, you know, they, you know, People figure it out, right? But there's other people that are still trying to figure it out. You know, it's 15 years later. right? Um, and, again, I don't think that's all that much different than, you know, any kids graduating from college trying to figure out what they're going to do. But I, I agree. I mean, I, I wish there was a way that was more seamless. I, and that's one thing I know is, obviously, you know, I'm here in Champaign. You're here in Champaign. I mean, the Champaign community is very welcoming. There's people. I mean, Illinois Illinois Nation's like, all over the place, right? And there's a lot of people that want to help. And so a better way to streamline it and connect people. Um, like I said, I know there's, you know, they, they do connect people somewhat. Um, you know, there's a, 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 a woman on the, the track and field team who I got connected with through a mentorship program. And just, you know, she's trying to figure out her job. And so we just talked, and, you know, I, I think it was helpful. Um, and so I'm going to hopefully check in with her here in a, in a couple of weeks. But I agree. I mean, there's, it, it's a challenging time. I mean, college and coming out of college is, it's, it's hard for everybody it's hard for everybody it's very hard for everybody and like I said I only know the experience that I had where you know look you're so much of your identity is wrapped up in you know what you do on Saturdays you know 12 Saturdays every fall that when that's away, you got to figure out okay who am I now you know
0: and I but I think normal students what what a student athlete does in college is not normal right I mean it and, and until you've experienced it and know it it's not normal Normal students have a chance to start preparing from their freshman year on knowing that there is an insight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to play in the NFL. I am going to be an accountant or I'm going to be XYZ. Um, So, although my daughter, say her second year now, that real life sucks, dad, that you have to get up in the morning, you have to go to work, and you have to be prepared. (laughs) Um, But thankfully she is doing those things. But I just really do wish there was a way that we could help bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of our kids, I mean, you came from a very, very good family. They. I mean, you're talking a long time ago, people in IT weren't in IT,
1: mm-hmm. when your right. parents
0: were doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's some kids that really, really, really need some help.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to be able to, to you know, get those guys or girls, young ladies hooked up with some mentors, I think is something that the university is missing on. Yeah. Um, if anything, this new NIL thing, I think it has a chance to bridge some of that gap. Yeah, I agree. I've been working hard on that, Illini Guardians, and, and what's going on with that. And, and while I don't necessarily agree with everything that NIL is going to be, um, I still think the value of an education mm-hmm. in the University of Illinois is very, very valuable. Yeah. Um, I think it may give the chance to get some of these kids involved with some people that are successful and some hopefully have more help exposure. Them. Yeah. More exposure. Yeah. And I, I think that could be one of the real positives. Um, going forward with that okay now you're martin you're you're with Busey you're overseeing all this and now you're also a broadcaster mm-hmm. and that's my favorite that's my favorite part of Martin I like watching <laughs> you play But I love listening to you, to have you call games and everything else so now we're going to talk a little bit about football yeah and um, you played for a couple of different coaches
1: mm-hmm.
0: compare their styles and you don't have to go to you played for Coach Turner. and You played for Coach um, Zook. Zook. Yeah. Different people.
1: Very different people.
0: Yeah. Both very bright. Mhm. I knew Coach Turner much better than I knew Coach Zook. Yeah. Um, but now you have seen not only Coach Turner and Coach Zook. You've seen a gamut of it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm interesting from somebody that knows something about football. Mm-hmm. That's very well versed and very well prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way um the differences in leadership and the differences in some of those coaches and what makes them successful they, they were all successful at a certain point they would never have been here
1: right right
0: but what makes them go to that that next level yeah or what is your thoughts on, on what makes them go to that next level
1: yeah i mean i think um do you want me to talk about zook and turner or more about coach well, Buma?
0: well one where I, we are I, now we, and where we're going why don't we just do zook and turner yeah, and I think I got coach B on the burner.
1: Okay, coming up. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, coach Turner and coach Zook were obviously two different, um, two different guys. Kind of like you said, you know, the, the thing, the, the thing that I always noticed about the two of them was, you know, I think you can tell a lot about a coach and this is just my experience playing, you know, kind of by the, the side of the ball that they tend to gravitate towards. Right. So coach Turner was an offensive coach. Right. Uh, You know, Coach Zook was a defensive coach. You know, so there'd be, as as a for instance, you know, and and I'd say Coach Turner was, you know, probably not as, um, you know, outspoken and and yelling. And Coach Turner was, you know, he he was a quieter guy. I mean, he'd get into you.
0: Yeah, he's cerebral.
1: Yeah, he'd get into you when you needed to, and, and he'd lay into the team. But that wasn't kind of his daily MO. You know, Coach Zook was all... You know, you know, let's go, let's go, you know, stand fast, get going, get going, you know, and, and try. And, and I think the interesting thing, too, that, that I think is an interesting inflection point was I the way I think of it is, you know, with Coach Turner, you know, it's kind of the way the Big Ten used to be. Right. In terms of a verbal, if a kid was a verbal commitment, nor the school recruited Gentlemen's agreements, that's just kind of how it happened. You know, Coach Zook, when Coach Zook got here, I mean, Coach Zook's like, well, if they didn't, if they haven't signed with you yet, I mean, it's all systems go. You know, and so if you remember, I mean, Coach Zook was getting slandered by, you know, John L. Smith, you know, up in Michigan right. State and all their paying players and this and that and the other thing. But really what Coach Zook did was he kind of brought some of that, the SEC recruiting mentality and really got a lot of it into the Big Ten where it hadn't operated like that previously. And that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But that was really where college football was going. Right. And then if you look at also, and I don't have the numbers on me now, but I think there's also a real difference in terms of, you know, compensation and stuff for coaches when, you know, Coach Turner, early 2000s, late 90s, and all of a sudden all this money starts getting into college football, and it's just exploded exponentially, like as we can see now. I mean, the Big Ten is going to cash in in a big way here oh, in a couple years. So, it, so the, the sport was really changing is kind of what I'm saying. So it was interesting, and in you know, and I love playing with Coach Turner because, you know, we ran an NFL offense. Right. And so that's kind of how I view it. You know, for Coach Turner, we've got an NFL offense where like you had to know everything. And, you know, the center would call out what the defense was. And then he would just call out the defense. And you'd have to know, depending on where your guy was aligned, what you had to do on that given play. And if they audible like you. So you got to think a lot pre-snap and you got to be prepared. You got to be ready. You know, and and Coach Loxley and his offense was different. It was up tempo, It was shotgun. There's a lot of quarterback run and a lot more of it was, hey, you know, center's going to point to a guy. I got the I got the guy to the left. Let's go. Let's go fast. Let's simplify it. Let's go fast. Um, Interesting. And so, so, those were a lot of the, the differences there. But, you know, I say the kind of the sides of the ball because, you know, as an offense, we could have a great practice under Coach Zook, but he'd be pissed off at the end of practice because the defense didn't play well. Uh-huh. But if the offense played poorly, but the defense played well, hey, guys, great practice. Great yeah. practice. You know, this is drive me crazy. But that, that's just kind of how he was. And that's I think Coach was. Turner was yeah. the same way, right? If the offense wasn't executing well, well, he was getting pissed off, you know.
0: Here's the biggest difference when you play now and, and when you played and what they do play
1: now, is it money? I think there's just way more money involved yeah. in it. In the facilities. I mean, there, there's – it, and it's everywhere, right? I mean, the facilities are so much bigger. I mean, you know, and the, and the Smith Football Center is fantastic. But it's like, look, you, you got to do that. I mean, because it's the kind of thing I remember, you know, when going through this, the the Smith Football Center for the first time and then going back and walking through what our facilities were, it was the kind of thing where it's like, you know, <laughs> it, it was kind of – you didn't – if if you grew up without money you didn't know that until later on right, right. and so that was the kind of thing like you look at what the facilities were for like other teams and i've been to a couple other campuses and the stuff they're working with versus what we were working with it's like well we didn't know any different right and it worked i mean those facilities I mean they won the big 10 in 01 you know we got to the rose bowl in 07 so you can do it but now it's just changed. it's so much different and, and the support staffs are so much larger right which is a great thing too is you know there's been a lot of investment in the football program um but uh Previously, it was, hey, you had two GAs, right? You had an offensive GA and a uh-huh. defensive GA, and then the assistants are doing everything, right? So they're doing all these. And now it's so much more specialized. You have, you have a recruiting department. You have offensive defensive analysts. You have quality control. You have all these different positions that didn't exist before. But that's what you got to do to compete now because everybody know, else has that.
0: I, I guarantee you right now that when I showed up in 1982, the football weight room, Downers Grove weight room right now in high school is better than what they had back then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I believe it. it. was. I mean, you felt like you were working out in Rocky.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised there weren't tires and you know stuff <laughs> that you were lifting. Um, but that, again, that's all money. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's, a arms it's an arms race. It's arms race. with was coaches' salaries, an arms race, facilities. And now there's a new arms race that's going to be NIL. Yeah. I mean, it's here right. and it's 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 with us. Um, we talked a, a little bit about it but if there's one thing you talked about preparation so let's take mm-hmm. that out if there's one thing that you learned in sports that you took to the real world what was it what was it under all the different coaches i mean that's yeah. cuz you get those experiences and each one has an has an effect
1: right on you. right um honestly humility right i mean wow. i that that was the biggest thing i mean craig i've i've gotten embarrassed i've been i've been i've gotten embarrassed and gotten my butt kicked in front of my family and 100,000 people in a stadium and you know many more times that watching on television right you know we we lost we were down what 52 to 3 at halftime penn state on a nationally televised game in 2005 and they cut away in like the first or second quarter right so that's the biggest thing for me like i I mean everybody's got an ego to a certain extent but yeah I, i mean I don't really have that much of one because I've got my butt kicked enough and I don't like it. Right. So you, you, so you try to be prepared. You try to have all right. these other things happen. But at the same time, like uh, I've made an idiot out of myself more times in front of you know tens of thousands of people. So I, I, I'm kind of past that, you know, so I'm, I'm not, af- I'm not really that afraid to fail because I failed plenty.
0: Yeah. Humility is a really good word. It's a really good characteristic to have. Um, a lot of times, especially whether it's in your sports career or in your business career, you have a lot of success, and you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and a, a, a good dose of humility, although it's not pleasant to go through, speaking from experience myself, um, it, it, makes you, it, it makes you different. Yeah. It makes you different. It makes you, it makes you thankful for what you have, and it makes you hungry for what you want to have again.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: In the, in the business world, we're jumping back and forth here, but um, do you have a mentor in your business world? I mean, because your mentors are your coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's your head coach or your assistant coach or your right. weight coach, do you have a mentor in, in the business world?
1: Um, probably not to the extent that I, I need one. You know, that's actually something I've kind of set out as a goal for myself for, for this year is to try to find people kind of outside of my um industry to just kind of talk to on a regular basis and, you know, talk through challenges that we all go through, whether it's, you know, management or people or, or what have you. Um, but for me, you know, a, a big mentor for me, um, and he's since passed away, uh, was a, a guy, Rod Kirby, oh, uh, a yeah. longtime banker in town. So, oh, Rod yeah. was my boss at Busey. And so, Rod hired me. And so, Rod...
0: Was my first banker.
1: Yeah, there you go. He me my first
0: money to, to, to
1: buy a bar. There you go. So Rod, you know, so I worked closely with Rod for, I've been at Busey for eight years, you know, probably for the first, you know, until Rod retired, you know, several years ago, so at least first call it four or five years. And so Rod really, you know, taught me banking, uh-huh. right? So, um, so he was a really big mentor, what a name. big influence on yeah. me. Yeah.
0: He's had an influence on a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Not a mulligan in golf, because I've seen you play golf and you need a lot of mulligans. I need a lot of mulligans, I lot of mulligans. I yeah. You need a lot of mulligans in golf. If you could take a mulligan... And something you could do over, probably wherever it is, mm-hmm. whether it was that period in college, right out of college, if you could take that mulligan, what would it be? Gosh.
1: <laughs> there we go. This is, this, is know,
0: becau- this is becoming a very good interview now.
1: Well, it is. It, well, it, Nice way to compliment yourself. Humility. Yeah. Here's the first thing that comes to mind for me, and you'll appreciate this uh-huh. given your line of work. The, the biggest mulligan I want is not buying our second house. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought, we bought our first house in 2008, and it was a really nice house in Savoy, good fit for us. Then we, a couple years later, we went and moved to another house a couple blocks away. Had a pool, it was a little bit bigger, but then we were only in that house for about a little over a year. And then we realized, yeah, this isn't going to be the right one. We had baby number two coming, our son Michael, and we're like, this isn't going to be the right one. And so then we went and we, bought, we found our house now um, in Savoy that, that we love. That's easy. if I could have a mulligan, I would just go from the first house to the one we're in right now. Well that's
0: a for as mulligan and, and redoing something, that's a that's a pretty good mulligan. Like my mulligans are much, much larger than, than that Mulligan. It's the first one that came to mind. I'm like, we wouldn't buy the second house, yeah. What makes you happy? My family. Good.
1: My family. We were just in Disney World last week, which was great. So got a chance to kinda get to know get to know my family a little bit better. You know, you're busy and you're doing stuff, and you're running from this to that. And you know, we have three kids, and they all grow so fast and change so much. And um,
0: I got an attorney now, and it it was just little bitty girls back a few years ago in the pigtails. And next thing you know, they're selling cases in district court in Chicago. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, What could you do better? lot of things but let's just talk now though let's not yeah. go back what could you have done no better? yeah going going back it's easier to fight see what you could have done oh absolutely
1: I, I mean I think that I think the thing that I struggle with a lot is um, is just being present you know
0: be where your feet are
1: be where your feet are absolutely Nick Saban yeah I mean that, that's the thing that you know I, I struggle with it all the time and you know you try not to bring you know and you know smartphones are great and everything but uh, you know I think some of it is obviously technology some of it is the pandemic but you know it's trying to uh, work work has bled into life a lot more at least for me it feels like the last two and a half three years yeah. and some of that is some of that is you know where people work from some of that is you know being in different positions resp- more responsibility um, that's a big thing just you know just being present and really just you know leaving work stuff at work or trying to isolate it around it more um, that's the biggest part
0: that's more difficulty for us because everybody's on we're on call all the time yeah absolutely as a real estate agent right you know it, it It'd be wonderful just to go out and play four rounds, of go around of golf in four hours, and never look at my phone. Which is what it's I not when possible I, when I actually played good. That's exactly what I did. That's there right. Was no, there was no phone there. It's a direct it. correlation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, being present, I love that because I on my board in of my office, I have that saying: "Be where your feet are." I like that. And I have to look at it 25 times a day, and I'm not where my feet are. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay, you failed another 15 minutes here. That's Let's right. Let's get back onto it. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10? Where's Martin in 30? Hopefully he's still I in no Champagne. Idea.
1: Yeah. Just want to continue to be happy. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think I said before, I, I'm not the best planner in the world. You know, I try to. Um, like it, that's positive, negative. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I kind of feel like uh, I, I'm very happy where I am right now. You know, work-wise, family's healthy. Um, you know family happy and healthy is about the main thing that I'm concerned with the rest of it will take care of itself
0: good attitude to have okay we're gonna wrap this up here pretty quick we want to keep you we know we're not that interesting <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna do some quick hits and this is the fun part for me as okay. well too. it's all been fun this is this has been great um, I'm gonna ask you just like certain questions and you can just blurt out whatever Lightning around you yeah. lightning around best coach let's just stick to Illinois Okay. Okay. Let's just stick to like Iluma. my best coach, or one you are seen now, or one you saw in the past.
1: I, if I say best coach, I mean I I, I think the, the guys that I was. I mean Eric Wolford was a great coach. Wolf was Wolf was my guy.
0: Coach White for me. Yeah. I get to go back a lot further. Yeah. So. <laughs> coach White made proverbial chicken salad out chicken shit. I mean he really turned things around with junior college mm-hmm. players and. And what he could do, like you said, Coach Turner was an offensive genius. Yeah. That that was what Coach Mike White was. Yeah. Best quarterback? Juice. 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 Tony Eason for me. Best running back?
1: I'm going to tie. I'm going to make a tie here. I'm going to okay. say two, Pierre Thomas and Rashard Mendenhall. I got Rashad. Yeah.
0: I mean, just because of what he had, the success he had in the league on top of that as well, too. You forget how
1: good Pierre was. Yeah. Pierre played on a lot of bad teams. And that's... I know, because Pierre made me look good a lot.
0: And that's not a fair... That's a very astute, you know, assumption, because... Pierre had a great career Yeah.
1: in the NFL. And a great guy.
0: Best offensive lineman.
1: I'd say... Um, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie it again. I'm going to say Duke Preston. So, Duke was the center... Um, my first yep. year starting. Duke went and played four or five years in the league, um, won a Super Bowl ring. He's like director of player development or something with the Bucks. I think he's still there. Duke was a great player, incredibly athletic. Fourth, wanted to be a fourth round pick for Buffalo. Like I said, played a lot. And then John Asamoah. You know, so John was the, I was the left guard. John was the right guard. Um, John was a guy out of, you know, the south suburbs of Chicago, and it's tough. Well, tough guy, but, you know, but really developed a lot. He got thrown in early. And then he won John, you know, by the time he was done playing here, I mean, the guy was just killing people, right? And then he went – got drafted third round by the Chiefs, had a great career. Um, John's still a good friend to this day. So I'd, I'd say those two guys.
0: My is Martin O'Donnell. He sent <laughs> across from me. He's 6'4", still about 260 pounds. I don't want punch him in my nose. So I'm just going to go with Martin.
1: Uh, defensive line. Hmm. Are these Illinois, or are we talking just in general? It's
0: just Illinois, because hell. Yeah, let's do Illinois. It's just too too big across the board. That's fine.
1: Um, Gosh, Derek Strong used to kick my butt when I played tackle. So D. Strong was a defensive end um, several years older than me. I mean, I remember when I was in Camp Rantoul for the first time, I mean, Derek was past me before I realized the ball was snapped. Um, So D. Strong was pretty good.
0: I got Don Thorpe. you know that name? I do know that name. Don Thorpe played defensive tackle when I was in school. Yeah. He's actually a fraternity brother of mine. And he was the MVP of the Big Ten as an interior defensive lineman. Hmm. So that's kind of unheard of. Yeah. And I guess we didn't realize how good he was. But there's been nothing close to that since then. So I'm going to have to go with the guy that was the MVP of the Big Ten at interior defensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. Linebacker.
1: I I can go back a few more years, so that's not quite fair. You know what? I mean, so Jay was obviously a great linebacker, layman, right? So I, so I played with Jay, and I, and, and I know him really well. I'll tell you what. Um, Jake Hansen is, was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yes, he was. At the linebacker position. And, and that's kind of been the fun thing that, I, that I've liked with the broadcasting is, you know, I'm an, I'm an offensive guy by background, but, like, you can really appreciate good defensive football when you see it. You know, Hardy Nickerson Jr., when he was here, his first, Hardy did great. John Brown... Jonathan Brown, the linebacker, his sophomore year here was unbelievable. Yeah. Right? So but like but Jake Hansen, especially twenty nineteen, I mean, Jake is an impact guy. Um it didn't really look like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you and and that's you know what you know the, the fun thing to me about the broadcasting, Craig, is i love being able to see guys when they come in and see their progression and their growth i remember when jake was out there i can't remember what game it was i mean he's wearing long you know long, i remember i'll remember wearing long navy blue sleeves right it's some game late in the year we're getting our we're getting our head kicked in right jake's getting swallowed up by these big offensive linemen for whoever we're playing and then you fast forward a couple of years and, and the guy just worked his tail off and was just everywhere he's absolutely everywhere and so Jake, Jake Hansen also is a guy that was a ton of fun to watch. Never got the credit he deserved at the national level. I'm glad to see he's at the combine. I hope he hope he gets healthy because I think he's a guy that can have a long, long NFL career.
0: That's awesome. I'm pretty, I mean, I can go back a, a lot of years. I can go back to the Derrick Brownlows and the Dana Howards and, and all that. Jay Lehman's not fair because he lived on the same street growing up. So I'm, it's almost like me picking you as the offensive <laughs> lineman. Um, but I, I, I'm i going to have to go with Dana Howard yeah. over the years. He was, as Mr. T, he was just a bad man. Yeah. And just dominated mm-hmm. everything that was around him. Um, D.B.G. back.
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to go D.B. next. The first guy, I mean, one of the first guys that comes to mind for me is, again, I think it's it's progression. Clayton Fejlum. Yeah. Safety. I mean, Fed. When you were at the game and he hit somebody, you knew it just by the sound. right You're different sounds, it's different sound. And he went and he's had such a great career. and i but I tell you what, you know again, you talk about the progression. I mean, you know Kirby Joseph, unbelievable this year yeah I mean that was so it's so much fun to watch these guys you know have these progressions and grow um so those are two guys again there's a little bit of recency bias there but I mean those are some guys that, that jump out to me Fedulum was a lot of fun to watch and again you know I think he's from Lamont you know transferred up from a smaller school but he's gone and had a great NFL career special yeah. teams captain uh for the Dolphins at least the most recently from what I can remember um but yeah and then Kirby Joseph talk about impactful guy um, guy, you know, again, he's at the combine right now too, but didn't really have a position for three years, and now all of a sudden, I mean, he's probably going to be, you know, hopefully top three round pick.
0: That'd be awesome. I'm going with Craig Swope You probably don't know that name either. I know the name. Craig Swope played when I was here. Again, I'm going back old school, so we get both. Yeah. Get the old fart here and the guy that's younger here. <laughs> Craig Swope was Mr. Basketball in Florida. Okay. And it just like there was no play on the field that seemed like he wasn't involved in somehow. Yeah. I mean it, it was it was unre- it was remarkable the kind of athlete that he was and the amount of plays that he made. So I'm going all the way back probably 1984 revi- or five. Let me
1: revise my answer too. Kelvin Hayden.
0: Yep. Well uh, he
1: I know pretty strong. Yeah. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Does um Coach B get it done?
1: Yeah. 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 He does. I mean I I, I You know, you talk about preparation and and plans and stuff like that. I think that's been a really impressive thing with me. Is, I mean, he's, you can tell, I mean, Coach B is very intentional, knows what he wants to do, and now it's just executing on it. And I think you get, I mean, obviously you get, you wind up five and seven, so you don't go to a bowl game last year. That would have been, you know, the ideal is you get that done. But two ranked wins, um, you know, one of them on the road, you know, go out recruiting. Like, look, this stuff takes time. But, you know, I think, I think he's, I think he and his staff, you know, Bring the right energy you know I think that he's got a great mix of people on that staff I've gotten to know you know some of the assistants you know over the last year or so mm-hmm. and, and coach B is uh, um, he's a good guy to hang around with and he's a good guy I think he obviously knows football and then you go out there and, and you back it up with some wins and I think it's it's really something to be excited about
0: I'm excited about he's all about development yes I mean he, he we have to be yeah it's all about and and speaking with a couple of players last week that I, I mentioned earlier that was the biggest difference between them they both they all both love coach smith too yeah and you love your coach i mean absolutely it is he is what he is you recruited you came there but it goes the difference between you know taking a kid and developing him into a great player or expecting him just to be a great player was the biggest takeaway those two guys had and when you're in the pros you expect them to be great players as soon as you get there sure you know yeah, we can help you a little bit but if you're not already great You're not. You're not going to make it. So.
1: Well, I mean, Illinois. Illinois has to be a developmental program. Yes. I mean, that's what we want to be. And you have to. The thing that I've just been, you know, that you you sit back and you look and say, you, you have to understand who you want to be before you can go and be it right understand who you want to be figure out okay here's what i want my lineman to look like i want my inside linebackers to look like this i want my outside linebackers to look like this i want my defensive tackles to look like this you know if you're my nose guard you need to be like this and so once you kind of establish that template then you can go find people who fit it and then again you can fi- you can find inefficiencies in the recruiting market like hey this kid you know might not be a good fit for these guys over here but he's exactly what we're looking for right. and then i love the emphasis on in-state right i mean i'm you know one of the other things that was important to me like it did matter to me to play for the University of Illinois I grew up in Illinois all my almost all my family is in the state of Illinois like that meant a lot to me to put that eye on you know put the Illinois you know again if I you know Stanford okay Leland Stanford Junior University like that doesn't doesn't do anything for me right Um, or go play for a different state that's not my state Um,
0: that's back to the membership part of it I I wish we could actually somehow tie the two together yeah that you know our state our team our state our players yeah you know, I, I wish that could be a model as well, too. Last one. Your biggest moment as a broadcaster. I know what it is.
1: I think it's Wisconsin 2019. I really do. It's a scream. Yeah. It's a
0: scream. I mean, it's, they have, oh my, and they have <laughs> better than most. Yeah. And dude, yours is a scream.
1: Yeah. It was, that, that was, it was a kind of thing because... You know, you've, so what? So I've, I've done it seven years, you know, and so that was so 2019, so that'll have been my fifth season doing it. Um, just unfortunately, watch a lot of losses, right? And, and you feel for the program, you feel for the players, you know, because because I know, like, what all goes into it. It's the coaches, it's their families, it's the players, it's their families, it's the fan base, it's everybody. And so to, to sit there and, and, like, we played that game so well against Wisconsin, yes, we did. it's homecoming, it's a beautiful day right and so to, to get you know Tony Adams gets the interception you'll get, you know get know you know Jake Hansen popped out a fumble earlier Tony Adams gets that interception Dre Brown with a couple of great runs you know and then to to have it like that I mean yeah I mean I couldn't watch it
0: I sit down buddy I, you and me both I was I sit down when our our seats are with our backs to the wall yeah I actually turned around to the wall and let the <laughs> and let the crowd tell me the, the the reaction to it because I was I was ready to puke I went I wanted to make it so bad
1: Well. And I'm the same way. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean that game, you know, Penn State. I mean, like, I almost get like physically ill because you're because <laughs> si- I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and, and you, you want, it. and again, that's that's a, the, the the fun thing about being the broadcasting part is like, I mean, I have no control. I have no control over it, right? Right. So, so we're just there. We're all along, just just along for the ride, right? And so. You, know, you but you, you want it so bad to be successful, you know, and then the, you know, the Penn State game this year was the same kind of thing, like, yeah. you know, nine overtimes, I mean, like, it's, when you get to that sudden death shoot, I mean, I mean, you're like living and I was living and dying, I'm like, every, like, I started cramping up against Penn State, I mean, my hamstrings started cramping <laughs> up, right, because, you know, and there's a variety of reasons, but it's like, but yeah, Wisconsin 2019, I mean, ton of fun, you know, and then, um... You know, it's funny you know, and Brian Barnhart does such a good job. He's awesome. He's such a pro. He's and then awesome. I'm just I'm just some whack job that's sitting on the side. I won't go that far. <laughs> just I won't go dying that far, and trying trying try not to step on him too much. No, you did <laughs>
0: a fantastic job. Like I said, I, I like talking to people, it's interesting that that oh. the different levels of careers and successes you've had. Martin, this has been a great forty five minutes to alcohol. I don't even know, I don't even care. But thank you for thank you for your time for with Champagne me with Craig. And we'll do it again in five years when we got the Rose Bowl under our belt. And we'll kind of look back and say, hey, Martin was right.
1: We'll do it in Pasadena.
0: You got it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's all for Champagne for Craig this week. Um, tune in next time. We'll have certainly something that hopefully interests you or maybe even might, might even piss you off next time. Let's see what we're going to do. I'll talk to you guys later.